This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, August 25th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, smart looks at ridership numbers. Telluride Choir readies for rehearsal. Eyes to ears with Bella Eatman. And a mountain weather forecast. But first... One week after going live on October 3rd, 1975, Kodo broadcast its first Telluride Town Council meeting and has continued to provide this valuable public service ever since. Show your support for that radio station that keeps you civically engaged or donate for the 348 days you don't have to listen to Town Council. Go to koto.org to donate. And thank you. Day in and day out, the green buses of the San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation trundle through the county. But as we head more securely into the second half of 2023, how does ridership compare to last year? Down Valley especially has increased a lot. Um, Typically, we see the best ridership in, in January, February, March. That's Carrie DiStefano, Smart Operations Manager, speaking at a Smart Board meeting earlier this month. This is, I think, it's largely due to the student population, but it also has to do with, I think, people are a little skittish about driving in the winter and feel safer in our buses, which is a good thing. DiStefano notes the bus to Norwood, not the one that extends to Nucla and Natarita, also sees higher ridership in the winter, largely due to students. Current ridership has dropped below last year at this time. She hypothesizes it could have to do with gas prices. That may have to do with the fact that gas prices have come back down and people are happier driving their own cars. Smart is planning to work with a consultant company to get more data on the type of service riders would like. DeStefano says looking at the Norwood late bus will be a priority. We'll try to engage with the restaurant owners. There may be some things with timing there that we need to tweak because that that route was devised to take care of commuters that work non-traditional hours. Moving towards the Nuclanatorita route, DeStefano says ridership has stayed impressively consistent. I've been looking at demographics in all our census blocks of our service areas And we may just be maxing out this route. Um, According to the census blocks, we're seeing a lot of people moving into that 65 and up category and perhaps aren't working or commuting as much. That that could be factoring into this. Um, So I don't know. We may, that route may be where it's going to be. But again, that's a thing we'll be talking to our consultants about. Ridership on the Lawson routes have, surprisingly for DeStefano, gone up. It seems like everybody in our neighborhood has an e-bike and uses it fairly regularly. So I'm glad these, these routes are still doing well over the course of the summer. Finally, Rico. DeStefano says ridership on the route is still struggling. Smart board member and RICO resident Joe Dillsworth notes it could have to do with the cost. I know a lot of families just don't because, you know, the, you know, additional costs of three or four riders, you know, they see, you know, if you got three people, it's, you know, $18 for the day, which translates to $90 a week, you know, 
when they just they kind of look at that alone and say, well, I can drive for less. And I know there's other considerations, you know, environmental costs and wear and tear and whatnot. But a lot of people only really look at, you know, what they're paying at the gas pump. Dillsworth suggests a family plan might be beneficial. Smart Executive Director David Averill adds the Colorado General Assembly may discuss a free fare program for young people in Colorado. I think that's a very realistic possibility. The outcome of this next legislative session is some sort of statewide fare free program for youth. Um, That'd be really cool. With reimbursements to the agencies that are doing it, you know, even better. I think that's really the question of how much money they can free up at the state level and then. Does it actually make a difference at the agency level? Because one thing that I'm a little, I'll be honest, a little bit nervous about is that if all of a sudden we had more youth ridership and we had full buses and we were kind of back where we were during COVID when we had to run extra buses because of that, like that could, that could be a negative hit on us. You know, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, it's one of those things I try to see what might happen about a policy change like that. I'm not so worried about it in a smaller area like us, but like in an urban area, that could be a real like RTD could have a hard time absorbing that, you know. Smart is collaborating with the state for a free ride in August program. All bus routes are free for the remainder of the month. It may seem a bit early for holiday music, but this Saturday, August 26th, the Telluride Choral Society is gathering together for Summer Sing, a small choral event which allows them to prepare for next season's concert. That's Winter Sing. Soon, the Choral Society will begin rehearsals for its winter event, and the Society's artistic director, Hal Adler, stopped by Kodo to discuss the Choral Society and offer an invitation to get involved. Adler begins by reflecting on the Society's winter concert. Winter Sing is uh, one of our two, I think, marquee events. One is winter and one is spring, winter, spring, and spring sing. And for about 30 years, maybe a little bit more now, um, Telluride Choral Society has thrown this great, you don't want to say thrown this party, but it feels that, that way to me. Winter Sing, which takes place in early December, draws inspiration from the season and the holidays, of course. So um, we like to pull from the traditional sort of Christmas repertoire, as well as, you know, different um, cultures from around the world. Last, last winter and this winter, both we're excited, in particular because we're engaging the audience in, in all sing or sing-along type of environments. So not only will audience members for this winter sing as they did last, have an opportunity to hear beautiful music, but they'll have an opportunity to actually sing with the choir and sing with each other. And this particular program of music, um, I am extremely excited about it. It's some of the most beautiful music ever written. Some of it's quite contemporary and others, you know, a few hundred years old. Choir was my oasis, personally. You know, I was a super awkward junior high school kid. Um, Mr. Binder... Jonas Binder, he was the Huddy, Huddy Junior High choral teacher, took us all under our under his wing. And no one could sing, you know, at 13, 14 years old, of course, except for just you know hold a tune. But uh, he made it he made it okay to be awkward, and he made it okay to be a, you know, found a way to help really awkward kids be a part of a community and make something together. I just started there, and and 
ever since, ever, you know, every time I plop down somewhere, whether it's high school, college, first town out of school, or 30 years later into Telluride, first thing you do is you look for the choir. It's your people. It's my people. That spirit of openness applies to the choir here in Telluride as well, says Adler. It's a non-audition choir. It's very much a community choir. So you don't have to be a great musician and or a great singer to be a part of it at all. But there is a subculture here that really thrives in and invests themselves in to the arts, open-heartedly, passionately, in an engaged way. And Telluride Choral Society is, is lucky enough to be the beneficiary of that outpouring of the artists and the singers and the lovers of music that want to come together. It's a different way of thinking about voice and, and sharing messages and sharing healing and spirituality and connection to one another and to the earth. And um, we share that. We share it and it means something and it's a beautiful experience. Um, so for those out there that are interested in joining the choir, um, September 6th is the first rehearsal. No audition. Show up and start singing with us and I'll find a place for you there. To learn more, visit TellurideChoralSociety.org and to join the choir, Come one, come all, show up to the Christ Church on Wednesday, September 6 at 4.30 in the afternoon. School is back in session for the Telluride School District. So, for the first installment of Eyes to Ears for this school year, KOTO News asked Telluride High School's Bella Eatman about the joys of summer and the year to come. Bella, this week on Eyes to Ears with Bella Eatman, we're flipping the script a little bit, and I'm going to be interviewing you about the beginning of the school year. We are, as of recording, on day two. How is the school year going so far? It is anxiety-inducing. It was very nerve-wracking the first day, but of course that's how it is for a lot of us. Trying to find different classes, trying and trying to find and find the friends and the teachers that you knew and loved from last year, and if you didn't know anybody, good luck to you on that. But this this is going to be an adjustment period this week and two weeks probably. But other than that, I really don't know what I what I have in store. You're a junior this year, yeah? So you're an upperclassman. How does that feel? Um, I don't necessarily see myself as an upperclassman, not to any degree. I'm just another student here, just another kid. But at the same time, every time I'm reminded that I am in fact a junior, I am reminded of the fact that time never stops. And just in a few years, I will be an adult or will have to become an adult, and that will be a whole new stress on its own. What class or classes are you really excited about this semester? Art, definitely art. I've got my second art class now, and right now we're trying to learn about contour drawings, just getting ourselves warmed up, getting our, getting our right brain in motion, such, uh, such as that, just for... And the, the the beginning of the of the school year. Other than that, I have no idea what other classes I might be interested in. 
you are such a talented artist as it stands. Is there anything through your art classes this semester that you're hoping to either um, develop skills or improve? Anything that you're, you're excited to kind of um, strengthen in your artwork over the next semester? I'm hoping to work on my ability to make backgrounds. I'm very good, well off with uh, normal character designs and just drawing people, humanoids of all sorts, but I do not know how to make a good environment, so I'm hoping to improve on that as well, not just within school, but outside of school, hopefully. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Koto listeners have obviously um, stayed in touch with you over the summer because you continued recording um, Eyes to Ears over the summer holidays. So maybe outside of your work with Kodo, what was uh, the most fun thing that you did over the summer? I went on a visit over to Salt Lake City in Utah, and we and we went and vi- visited some family there. It was it was wonderful. We visited this local store called the Dancing Crane, which basically has everything that you would need as basically the essentials for witchcraft. You know, candles, crystals, charms of all sorts, just stuff like that. And me and my cousins, we had a blast exploring that place. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That sounds like a fantastic store. Um, Bella, thank you so much for letting us flip the script this week. And we'll be back with you next week for more um, of maybe the more traditional installments of Eyes to Ears. But thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat today. You're welcome. Have a wonderful rest of your day to you and to our listeners. The summer bus schedule between the Meadows and Mountain Village's core is shifting due to construction in the village center. Starting Friday, August 25th, the bus from the Meadows will terminate at Market Plaza. It will not continue to the Blue Mesa and Centrum stops. Riders who need to access the village center should ride the gondola. The bus schedule will remain the same and normal bus service will resume once construction is finished. A new class is entering the 2023 Colorado Snow Sports Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame celebrates individuals who have dedicated their lives to educating, inspiring, and preserving snow sports in Colorado. This year's inductees include two Telluride names. Hillary Nelson is being inducted as an athlete and inspiration. Nelson was one of the most accomplished ski mountaineers in the world. She was the first person to complete a ski descent of Lhotse, the first woman to link Everest and Lhotse in a 24-hour push. She completed a double summit of Denali and was the first person to ski descent Papsura Peak. Nelson was named National Geographic Adventurer of the Year, a North Face athlete, and she called Telluride home. Nelson passed away last year after getting caught in an avalanche on Mount Manaslu in Nepal.
Cheryl Jensen is also being inducted as an inspiration. Jensen founded the Vail Veterans Program, which introduces veterans to alpine sports both independently and with loved ones. The Hall of Fame notes by keeping veterans active from the beginning of their recovery, their mental and physical health greatly improves, and the program gives individuals hope and confidence for the future. Jensen lived in Telluride for a number of years with her husband, Bill, former CEO of Telluride Ski and Golf. Other inductees include sport builders, John Norton and Sandy Hindler, and inspiration, Seth Masia. The 2023 Colorado Snow Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony will take place on Sunday, August 27th in Vail. Denver Mayor Mike Johnston is moving forward with his plan to build micro-communities for the city's unhoused population. His administration released a list of possible locations for the communities this week. Most are scattered across central and south Denver, including two sites downtown. The communities will be made up of so-called tiny homes that can be constructed quickly and cheaply. The city council is set to vote this month on a $7 million contract to outfit three sites with shelters, community buildings, and bathrooms. Earlier this week, Johnston extended the city's state of emergency on homelessness that he implemented on his first day in office. Micro-communities are a key part of his plan to shelter 1,000 unhoused people by the end of the year. The Montezuma Land Conservancy, or MLC, announced the conservation of two new parcels of land in Montezuma County this week, including one bordering Mesa Verde National Park. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KSJD's Chris Clements has more. The other parcel is located near the Boggy Draw Trail System. MLC is a nonprofit trust that works to protect land in southwest Colorado for its wildlife habitat, agricultural potential, or public trails. Travis Custer, executive director of MLC, says that the addition of conserved private land near Mesa Verde to an already existing public lands corridor in the area means more habitat protection for mule deer and certain species of birds listed on the state's threatened and endangered list. There's some important habitat there and old growth juniper stands for different species of birds, um, black bears, mountain lions, turkeys. So I think both of those parcels are important for, for all of that. According to Custer, over 600,000 people a year drive by the newly conserved Mesa Verde parcel on Highway 160 across the street from the Mancus campus of Pueblo Community College. Both parcels, totaling 834 acres, will be protected from future development as a result of MLC's conservation easement. For KSJD... I'm Chris Clements. The Southern Ute Center and Museum is hosting a retrospective exhibit, The Art of 88-Year-Old Russell Box Sr. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD has this profile. And that's my easel, and this is the different colors. In his home studio in Ignacio, Colorado, Russell Bach Sr. is showing me his workspace. His brightly colored acrylic paintings line the walls. This one here, there's uh, seven teepees. When I decided to do it, I, I was trying to remember the seven bands that the youths had in, in the old days. Russell Bach Sr. is a southern youth elder. He's been doodling since childhood. He started making art regularly while attending boarding school in Santa Fe. The art teacher was a native person. I really want to go into 
realistic painting. She was telling me, she said, there's a lot of realistic painters out there. If I was you, I would be thinking of doing a different type of painting, something that would be your own style. It would be different, something that you are familiar with. He sold his first painting, called Hunting, in 1950. It's the earliest of his paintings displayed at the current exhibit. The lady that bought it, bought it when I was in Santa Fe. That was when I was in 11th grade. I was only 17 years old. Hunting depicts a Native American hunter pointing a bow and arrow at two blue deer. The animals are drinking from a river. Many of Box's paintings depict animals in a symbolic way to show relationships between people, nature, and the creator. One of the paintings hanging at the Southern Ute Museum is called Respect the Creator. The blue background is the spirit world, and the red circle is the earth. One side of the hair is loose. It represents the freedom of the spirit, and also one side of the person has a tie which represents that he is bound to the mother earth. After he graduated from the Santa Fe Indian School in 1954, Bach served in the military for six years. In the 1960s, he returned to Ignacio and worked for the Southern Ute Tribe as a maintenance supervisor. After I got married, that's when I started really painting, and I was using the kitchen table as a place to paint. But my wife would say, you would have to clean the table because she was preparing to feed us, you know. So I decided to make a, a studio. It was his wife who pushed Russell Box to get his art out into the world. It was very personal to me because a lot of things that I had painted was really coming from my spirit or things that had happened to me. Majority of my painting started collecting on the walls of my home. And my wife said, what are you going to do with all the painting? Later on, I decided I had to start selling my paintings. His kids have also been an important part of his artistic life. My children were the critics. They would look at it and I would ask them, what do you guys think? And they were around maybe... 10, 11 years old. And I remember my daughter was looking at it and she said, there's a woman there. I didn't see that when I was painting it. And I asked her, I said, what do you mean there's a woman there? And she showed me where it was. Although he never made a living off of selling art, painting has been a creative outlet throughout his life. Now his house is full of his art, and the Southern Ute Museum has recognized a lifetime of work. I was very honored, you might say, my work has been accomplished. At 88 years old, he still got more to say with a brush and a canvas. Art is sort of like a therapy. It helped me. A lot of these paintings that I have been doing recently, it all comes from my mind. Maybe somebody was telling me about a personal story, you know, and I put it together. Everything comes from my mind. 33 of Russell Box Sr.'s paintings will be on display at the Southern Ute Cultural Center and Museum through December. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. 
The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low in the mid-40s. Saturday, there's an 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms with a high around 75 degrees. Saturday night, expect partly cloudy skies with a low around 45. Sunday calls for partly sunny skies with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. The high is near 75 degrees. Sunday night, expect partly cloudy skies with a low around 45 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, August 25th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who has donated to Kodo during our summer fun drive. A huge thank you to John Adolph, Jim and Sue Lincoln, Joan May, Barbara Norton, Scott Robson and Vicki Hormuth, Jimbo Tewksbury, Sam Young, Elizabeth Zott, Walter Weatherson, Cindy O'Brand, Gilcrest Elementary First Grade Class, Mark and Terry Dollard, Chris Kwasniewski, Patricia McIntosh, Pepper Raper and Steve Contillo, Eli Simpson, Sarah Tyler, Daniel Zemke, Catherine Warren, Peter Waldor, Jimmy and Delinda Murphy, Aubrey Mabel, Marissa Marshalka, Ryan Hanley, Janice and Johnny Girona, Courtney Groves, Zoe Donnell, Todd Brown, Brian and Jill Anderson, Lisa Barlow, Claire Beard, Star Jameson, Amy Levick, Sarah and Morgan Lavender Smith, Harvey and Gwen Mogensen, Larry Taylor, and Estrella Woods. Thank you all so much.